This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Monday, March 21st. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's State of Lines. Responses to 5% SWP allocation. Water bond revived. Ag Deputy Secretary and Committee Chairs headline AgriPulse Summit. SWP water drops to 5%, a call to get serious about infrastructure. The Department of Water Resources officially reduced state water project allocations to 5% of the contracted amount on Friday. Updates like this in recent years have become a standard routine, with water interests responding with calls for further conservation and infrastructure investment. Jennifer Pierre, general manager of the state water contractors, pushed the state to get serious about updating infrastructure to account for the changing hydrology. This year is on track to be the most difficult for Central Valley agriculture since the water projects were built, said Pierre in a statement. Our community's food supply and environment cannot be sustained without these investments and action. Adele Hagakalil, general manager of the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, said the district had been getting the lowest deliveries in history and only a fraction of the water it once received. So far, the level of conservation we're seeing from the public is not matching the severity of these conditions, she said. Meanwhile, global water conflicts have been getting worse, according to a new report from the Pacific Institute. The most recent account involves the Russian invasion of Ukraine with attacks on civilian water systems. Severe droughts have been creating hostile situations in Iran and India as well, while pastoralists and farmers in sub-Sahara Africa have been fighting over scarce resources, and cyber attacks have posed an increasing threat to water systems. Lawmaker revives water bond initiative for November ballot. Republican Assemblymember Devon Mathis of Vasilia has introduced a measure that would revive an ambitious water bond proposal for the November ballot. A group known as More Water Now pulled their petition in February after failing to gather enough funding and signatures to progress. Mirroring that proposal, Mathis legislation would set aside 2% of the state's general taxpayer revenues for water infrastructure investment doled out through the Water Commission. Keep in mind, it would require legislative approval for an amendment to the state constitution before going to voters. A tall order in the Capitol, especially for a GOP measure. Committee leaders, Bronow, keynote AgriPulse Summit. Today, leaders of the Senate and House Agriculture Committees and Deputy Ag Secretary Jill Bronow will headline the annual AgriPulse Ag and Food Policy Summit, the National Press Club. Summit panels will feature farm leaders and experts from across the supply chain who will address several critical farm bill issues, including commodity and conservation programs, risk management, climate policy, equity and inclusion, and nutrition assistance. Don't miss, starting today, dozens of companies and organizations will showcase the latest innovations in equipment and farming practices on the National Mall in an exhibition called A Celebration of Modern Agriculture. 
FDA talks not seen as part of U.S.-U.K. meetings this week. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai and British Secretary of State for International Trade Anne-Marie Trevelyan will tour the Port of Baltimore and conduct bilateral talks today and tomorrow in Maryland. But senior U.S. trade officials suggest to reporters yesterday that a free trade agreement will not be on the agenda. This dialogue is about the U.S. and the U.K. learning to understand where we are now and then deciding where we're going together, one official told reporters. We'll take it from there and see what we can build upon. The U.S. and U.K. began talks on a free trade agreement during the Trump administration, but those talks were put on hold after the election. Policymakers warned not to make food crisis worse. Russia's war on Ukraine could push more than 40 million additional people into extreme poverty. That, according to an analysis by the Center for Global Development, there's relatively little that policymakers can do to address the situation except to avoid making it worse through export bans, according to the report. Relaxing biofuel mandates likely won't make much difference because of already high energy prices, the report suggests. An opening conservation acreage to cropping, as has been suggested in both the U.S. and Europe, is not likely to add much cropland that would alleviate current supply issues, the report says. Bottom line, policymakers need to expect further disruptions, but still avoid hasty export restrictions that exacerbate shortages and instead take the opportunity to undertake reforms in agriculture policy that will help farmers and markets respond, the report says. Now keep in mind, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization said its index of global food prices hit an all-time high in February. Lawmakers urge ITC to reverse course on fertilizer duties. Dozens of House lawmakers are urging the Biden administration's International Trade Commission and Commerce Department to rethink decisions to allow duties on imported fertilizer from Morocco and stop the process to hit exporters from Trinidad and Tobago. Eliminating these duties on fertilizer imports provides the most immediate opportunity for a near-term partial remedy to the high cost of fertilizer facing U.S. farmers before the end of 2022 planting season. The lawmakers wrote in a letter to Jason Kearns, the chair of the U.S. International Trade Commission. Currently, at a time of tight global supply and demand for corn, soybeans, wheat, and other commodities, Planting decisions are increasingly being made not on market fundamentals, but rather on the cost of production driven by the price and supply of fertilizer. The ITC and Commerce Department ruled last year to slap steep duties on phosphate from Morocco and Russia. The U.S. is collecting cash deposits on imports of urea ammonium nitrate solutions from Russia and Trinidad and Tobago in preparation for final duty rulings. Uh, don't miss this. Iowa Cindy Axney, the lead House Democrat of the letter, discusses ITC outreach and a host of other farm policy issues in this week's open mic interview on AgriPulse.com. Ocean Carrier Omicron shuts down Chinese factory cities. The pandemic is once again threatening to hit Chinese supply chains hard, 
and Maersk, a major ocean carrier company, is watching closely after at least five large factory cities have completely shut down in the wake of the Omicron illness. While some cities may be locked down, China's essential terminals and main ports are operating business as usual, including vessel operation, yard handling, and gate in and out, Maersk says. However, landslide disruptions are significant. U.S. ag exporters count on Chinese ports to unload a steady supply of shipments of U.S. ag commodities. Here's today's He Said It. There is no doubt that new legislators have left a greater mark on their state. Don's legacy lives in the infrastructure projects he delighted in steering across Alaska and the opportunities he advanced for his constituents in the enhanced protections for native tribes he championed. His legacy will continue in the America he loved. That President Joe Biden had a statement on the passing of Representative Don Young, 88, a Republican who represented Alaska in the House since 1973. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Monday, March 21st. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Nally.